Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you will see the, the link to choose to read A-C-I-M-O-E. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe you to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday, Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 10.50 or 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 5, Healing and Wholeness, with Section section 7, The Two Decisions. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for a remembrance of our lessons for the day, today being Lesson 59, uh, a review of Lessons 41 through 45. And today that will be led by Frank. Okay. One of my favorite things. Gloria, do you have an opening for us this morning? I do, Lemoyne, and I'm so glad you asked because this is my favorite for review lesson for 59. From Paralyzed Amazon in his book, 40 Prayers, the poem is called The Nest of Nearness. An old friend of yours told me that my heart is like a bird in the world of desire, flying in the air of seeking until it lands in this nest of nearness to you. I fold my wings. The nest is lined with the soft down of silence, held in the infinite tree of your presence. I didn't know it would be like this. Where I come from, people are lonely. They hurry past your beauty, fearing death. I used to be like them, afraid of heights, until you gave my heart these wings. Now I don't ask to be comforted. That would keep me scared and needy. Now there is no edge to the peace of my happiness and yours. Amen. Mm, beautiful. Thank you so mm, much, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. Mm. Thank you, guys. I love that poem. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, this been reading this morning. I have uh, uh, Fran, Lori, Harrison. Jessica, Robin Marie, Karen, 
and Donna and Charles. With us and listening, I have Judy. Is there anyone else who's joined the call who would like to say good morning or join the reading list? Good morning, it's Sandra. I'm listening. Good morning, Sandra. Welcome. Hi. Good morning, Diana. I'm listening. All right. Welcome. Diana? Okay. I'll get it started here with the reading. Again, Chapter 5, Healing and Wholeness, Section 7, The Two Decisions. Perhaps some of our concepts will be clearer and more personally meaningful if the ego's use of guilt is clarified. The ego has a purpose just as the Holy Spirit has. The ego's purpose is fear because only the fearful can be egotistic. The ego's logic is as impeccable as that of the Holy Spirit because your mind has all the means at its disposal to to side with heaven or earth as it elects. But again, let us remember that both are in you. In heaven, there is no guilt because the kingdom is attained through the atonement which releases you to create. The word create is appropriate here because once what you have made is undone by the Holy Spirit, the blessed residue is restored and therefore continues in creation. Uh, Brent. The two decisions, 59. Perhaps some of our concepts will become clearer and more personally meaningful if the ego's use of guilt is clarified. The ego has a purpose, just as the Holy Spirit has. The ego's purpose is fear, because only the fearful can be egotistic. The ego's logic is as impeccable as that of the Holy Spirit because your mind has all the means at its disposal to side with heaven or earth as it elects. But again, let us remember that both are in you. In heaven, there is no guilt because the kingdom is attained through the atonement which releases you to create. The word create is appropriate here because once what you have made is undone by the Holy Spirit, the blessed residue is restored and therefore continues in creation. 60. What is truly blessed is incapable of giving rise to guilt and must give rise to joy. This makes it invulnerable to the ego because its peace is unassailable. It is invulnerable to disruption because it is whole. Guilt is always disruptive. Anything that engenders fear is divisive because it obeys the law of division. If the ego is the symbol of the separation, it is also the symbol of guilt. Guilt is more than merely not of God. It is the symbol of the attack on God. 
This is a totally meaningless concept except to the ego. But do not underestimate the power of the ego's belief in it. This is the belief from which all guilt really stems. Thank you, Fran. And Lori. 16. What is truly blessed is incapable of giving rise to guilt and must give rise to joy. This makes it invulnerable to the ego because its peace is unassailable. It is invulnerable to disruption because it is whole. Guilt is always disruptive. Anything that engenders fear is divisive because it obeys the law of division. If the ego is the symbol of the separation, it is also the symbol of guilt. Guilt is more than merely merely not of God. It is the symbol of attack on God. This is a totally meaningless concept except to the ego. But do not underestimate the power of the ego's belief in it. This is the belief from which all guilt really stems. 61. The ego is the part of the mind which believes in division. How can part of God detach itself without believing it is attacking him? We spoke before of the authority problem as involving the concept of usurping God's power. The ego believes that this is what you did because it believes it is you. It follows then that if you identify with the ego, you must perceive yourself as guilty. Whenever you respond to your ego, you will experience guilt and you will fear punishment. The ego is quite literally a fearful thought. Thank you, Lori and Jessica. Okay. I thought I heard Harrison's name before mine. Okay. Uh, 64. The ego is the part of the mind which believes in division. How can part of God detach itself without believing it is attacking? We spoke before of the authority problem as involving the concept of usurping God's power. The ego believes that this is what you did because it believes it is you. It follows then that if you identify with the ego, you must perceive yourself as guilty. Whenever you respond to your ego, you will experience guilt and you will fear punishment. The ego is quite literally a fearful thought. 62. However ridiculous the idea of attacking God may be to the sane mind, never forget that the ego is not sane. It represents a delusional system, and it speaks for it. Listening to the ego's voice means that you believe it is possible to attack God. You believe that a part of him has been torn away by you, the classic picture of fear of retaliation from without then follows 
because the severity of the guilt is so acute that it must be projected. Although Freud was wrong about the basic conflict itself, he was very accurate in describing its effects. Thank you, Jessica and Harrison. However ridiculous the idea of attacking God may be to the same mind, never forget that the ego is not the same. It represents a delusional system, and it speaks for it. Listening to the ego's voice means that you believe it is possible to attack God. You believe that a part of him has been torn away by you. The classic picture of fear of retaliation from without then follows because the severity of the guilt is so cute that it must be projected. Although Freud was wrong about the basic conflict itself, he was very accurate in describing its effects. 63. Whatever you accept into your mind has reality for you. It is, however, only your acceptance of it that makes it real. If you enthrone the ego in it, the fact that you have accepted it or allowed it to enter makes it your reality. This is because the mind that God created it is capable of creating reality. We said before that you must learn to think with God. To think with him is to think like him, this engenders joy, not joy, because it is natural. Guilt is a sure sign that your thinking is unnatural. Perverted thinking will always be attended with guilt because it is the beliefs in sin. Thank you, Harrison. And Robin Marie. Sixty-three. Whatever you accept into your mind has reality for you. It is, however, only your acceptance of it that makes it real. If you enthrone the ego in it, 
the fact that you have accepted it or allowed it to enter makes it your reality. This is because the mind, as God created it, is capable of creating reality. We said there, we said before that you must learn to think with God. To think with him is to think like him. This engenders joy, not guilt, because it is natural. Guilt is a sure sign that your thinking is unnatural. Perverted thinking will always be attended with guilt because it is the belief in sin. 64. The ego does not perceive sin as a lack of love. It perceives sin as a positive act of of assault. This is an interpretation which is necessary to the ego's survival because as soon as you regard sin as a lack, you will automatically attempt to remedy the situation and you will succeed. The ego regards this as doom, but you must learn to regard it as freedom. The guiltless mind cannot suffer. Being sane, it heals the body because it has been healed. The sane mind cannot conceive of illness because it cannot conceive of attacking anyone or anything. Thank you, Robin Marie and Karen. 64. The ego does not perceive sin as a lack of love. It perceives sin as a positive act of assault. This is an interpretation which is necessary to the ego's survival because as soon as you regard sin as a lack, you will automatically attempt to remedy the situation and you will succeed. The ego regards this as doom, but you must learn to regard it as freedom. The guiltless mind cannot suffer. Being sane, it heals the body because it has been healed. The sane mind cannot conceive of illness because it cannot conceive of attacking anyone or anything. 65. We have said before that illness is a form of magic. It might be better to say that it is a form of magical solution. The ego believes that by punishing itself, it will mitigate the punishment of God. Yet, even in this, it is arrogant. It attributes to God a punishing intent. intent excuse me. It attributes to God a punishing in, intent and then takes over this intent as its own prerogative. It tries to usurp all the functions of God as it perceives them because it recognizes that only total allegiance can be trusted. Thank you, Karen. And Donna. 65. We said before that illness is a form of magic. It might be better to say that it is a form of magical solution. The ego believes that by punishing itself, it will mitigate the punishment of God. 
Yet even in this, it is arrogant. It attributes to God a punishing intent and then takes over this intent as its own prerogative. It tries to usurp all the functions of God as it perceives them because it recognizes that only total allegiance can be trusted. 66. The ego cannot oppose the laws of God any more than you can, but it can interpret them according to what it wants, just as you can. That is why the question, quote, what do you want, end quote, must be answered. You are answering in every minute and every second and each moment of decision is a judgment which is anything but ineffectual. Its effects will follow automatically until the decision is changed. This is repeated here because you have not learned it. But again, your decision can be unmade as well as made. Remember, though, that the alternatives are unalterable. Thank you, Donna. And Carol. Paragraph 66. The ego cannot oppose the laws of God any more than you can. But it can interpret them according to what it wants, just as you can. It is why the question what do you want? Must be answered. You are answering it every minute and every second, and each moment of decision is a judgment which is anything but ineffectual. It affects will fall automatically until the decision is changed. This is repeated here because you have not learned it. But again, your decision can be unmade as well as made. Remember, though, that the alternatives are unalterable. 67. The Holy Spirit, like the ego, is a decision. Together they constitute all the alternatives which the mind can accept and obey. The ego and the Holy Spirit are the only choices open to you. God created one, so you cannot eradicate it. You made the other, and so you can. Only what God creates is irreversible and unchangeable. What you have made can always be changed, because when you do not think like God, you are not really thinking at all. Delusional ideas are not real thoughts, although you can believe in them, but you are wrong. The function of a thought comes from God and is in God. As part of his thoughts, you cannot think apart from him. Thank you, Terrell. 
and is there a new reader for 67 and 68? New re- <coughs> excuse me, new reader for 67 and 68? Uh, hi, Lemoyne, it's Jude, I can do it. 67, the Holy Spirit, like the ego, is a decision. Together they constitute all the alternatives which the mind can accept and obey. The ego and the Holy Spirit are the only choices open to you. God created one, and so you cannot eradicate it. You made the other, and so you can Only what God creates is irreversible and unchangeable. What you have made can always be changed, because when you do not think like God, you are not really thinking at all. Delusional ideas are not real thoughts, although you can believe in them, but you are wrong. The function of thought comes from God and is in God. The function of thought comes from God and is in God. As part of his thought, you cannot think apart from him. Irrational thought is a thought disorder. God himself orders your thought because your thought was created by him. Guilt feelings are always a sign that you do not know this. They also show that you believe you th- you can think. Excuse me. They also show that you believe you can think apart from God and want to. Every thought disorder is attended by guilt at its inception and maintained by guilt. In its continuance, guilt is inescapable for those who believe they order their own thought and must, therefore, obey its orders. This makes them feel responsible for their mind errors without recognizing that by accepting this responsibility, they are really acting irresponsibly. If the sole excuse me, if the sole responsibility of the miracle worker is to accept atonement for himself, and I assure I assure you that it is, then get this: the responsibility for what is atoned for cannot be yours. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. <clears throat> and is there another new reader for 68 and 69? <clears throat> this is Sandra. I can read. <clears throat> All right. Please do. 68. Irrational thought is a thought disorder. God himself orders your thought because your thought was created by him. Guilt feelings are always a sign that you do not know this. They also show that you believe you can think apart from God and want to. 
Every thought disorder is attended by guilt at its inception and maintained by guilt in its continuance. Guilt is inescapable for those who believe they order their own thought and must therefore obey obey its orders. This makes them feel responsible for their mind errors without recognizing that by accepting this responsibility, they are really reacting irresponsibly. If the sole responsibility of the miracle worker is to accept the atonement for himself, and I assure you that is that it is, then the responsible for what is atoned for cannot be yours. 69. The dilemma cannot be resolved except by accepting the solution of undoing. You would be responsible for the efforts of all your wrong thinking if it could not be undone. The purpose of the atonement is to save the past in purified form only. If you accept the remedy for a thought disorder and a remedy whose efficiency, efficacy is beyond doubt, how can its symptoms remain? You have reason to question the validity of symptom cure, but no one believes that the symptoms can remain if the underlying cause is removed. Amen. Thank you, Sandra. And is there another new reader for 69? Another new reader to conclude with the last paragraph? Okay. Back to you, friend. 59. The dilemma cannot be resolved except by accepting the solution of undoing. You would be responsible for the effects of all your wrong thinking if it could not be undone. The purpose of the atonement is to save the past in purified form only. If you accept the remedy for a thought disorder, and a remedy whose efficacy is beyond doubt, how can his symptoms remain? You have reason to question the validity of symptom cure, but no one believes that the symptoms can remain if the underlying cause is removed. Amen. Thank you, friend. Try to summarize this without just rereading it. Okay. I'm going to start with title, just for a focus here, the two decisions, and skip to 67. The Holy Spirit, like the ego, is a decision. Together they come all the alternatives which the mind can accept and obey. 
The ego and the Holy Spirit are the only choices open to you. God created one, so you cannot eradicate it. You made the other, so you can't. Only what God creates is irreversible and unchangeable. What you have made can always be changed, because when you don't think like God, you are not really thinking at all. I'm going that thought. Uh, delusional ideas are not real thoughts, although you can believe in them. But you are wrong. Or maybe I should say, but you are wrong. The function of thought comes from God and is in God. As part of his thought, you cannot think apart from him. Okay, so to return to the top, 59, perhaps some of the concepts will become clearer and more personally meaningful if the ego's use of guilt is clarified. The ego has a purpose just as the Holy Spirit has. The ego's purpose is fear because only the fearful can be egotistic. <clears throat> the ego's logic is an is as impeccable as that of the Holy Spirit because your mind has all the means at its disposal to side with heaven or earth as it elects. But again, let us remember that both are in you. In heaven, there is no guilt because the kingdom is attained through acceptance of the atonement, which releases you to create. Once what you have made is undone by the Holy Spirit, the blessed residue is restored and therefore continues in creation. What is truly blessed is incapable of giving rise to guilt and must give rise to joy. It is invulnerable to disruption because it is whole. Guilt is always disruptive. Anything that engenders fear is divisive because it obeys the law of division. If the ego is the symbol of the separation, it is also the symbol of guilt. Guilt is more than merely not of God. It is the symbol of the attack on God. This is totally meaningless except to the ego. But do not underestimate the power of the ego's belief in it. This is the belief from which all guilt really stems. The ego is the part of the mind which believes in division. How can part of God detach itself without believing it is attacking him? We spoke before of the authority problem as involving the concept of usurping God's power. The ego believes this is what you did because it believes it is you. It follows then that if you identify with the ego, you must perceive yourself guilty. Whenever you respond to your ego, you will experience guilt and you will fear punishment. The ego is quite literally a fearful thought. So it represents a delusional system 
and speaks for it. And speaks to. Listening to the ego's voice means that you believe it is possible to attack God. You believe that a part of him has been torn away by you. The classic picture of fear of retaliation from without then follows because the severity of guilt is so acute it must be projected. In 63, whatever you accept into your mind has reality for you. However, it is only your acceptance of it that makes it real. This is because the mind, as God created it, is capable of creating reality. We said before that you must learn to think with God. To think with Him is to think like Him. This engenders joy, not guilt, because it is natural. Guilt is a sure sign that your thinking is unnatural. Perverted thinking will always be attended with guilt because it is the belief in sin. If they could be four. Go to 65. I have a personal relationship with this. The ego believes that punishing itself will mitigate the punishment of God. Yet even in this, it is certainly arrogant. It attributes to God a punishing intent and then takes over this intent as its own prerogative. It tries to usurp all the functions of God as it perceives them because it recognizes that only total allegiance and trust. The ego cannot oppose the laws of God any more than you can, but it can interpret them according to what it wants, just as you can. This is why the question, what do you want, must be answered. You are answering it every minute and every second, and each moment of decision is a judgment, which is anything but ineffectual. Its effects will follow automatically until the decision is changed. This is repeated here because you have not learned it. But again, your decision can be unmade as well as made. Remember, though, that the alternatives are unalterable. The Holy Spirit, like the ego, is a decision. Together they constitute all the alternatives which the mind can accept and obey. The ego and the Holy Spirit are the only choices open to you. God created one, and so you cannot eradicate it. You made the other, and so you can't. Only what God creates is irreversible and unchangeable. What you have made can always be changed because when you do not think like God, you are not really thinking at all. Delusional ideas are not real thoughts, although you can believe in them, but you are wrong. The function of thought comes from God and is in God. As part of his thought, you cannot think apart from it. Points again, if 
exactly why the ego is delusional. It is the thought of being a partner. Yep. Okay. A rational thought is a thought disorder. God himself will order your thought because your thought was created by him. Guilt feelings are always a sign that you do not know this. They also show that you believe you can think apart from God and want to. Every thought disorder is attended by guilt at its conception and maintained by guilt. Continuance. Guilt is inescapable for those who believe they order their own thought and must therefore obey its order. It makes them feel responsible for their mind errors without recognizing that by accepting this responsibility, they are really reacting irresponsibly. If the sole responsibility of the miracle worker is to accept the atonement for himself, and I assure you that it is, then the responsibility for what is atoned for cannot be yours. The dilemma cannot be resolved except by accepting the solution of undoing. You would be responsible for all the effects of all your wrong thinking if it could not be undone. The purpose of the atonement is to save the past in purified form only. If you accept the remedy for a thought disorder, and a remedy whose efficacy is beyond doubt, how can its symptoms remain? You have reason to question the validity of pure symptoms, but no one believes that symptoms can remain if the underlying cause is removed. Thank you, Lemoyne. Yeah, thank you, Lemoyne. Great job. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. You're welcome. My two decisions, it seems that's not my cause. I think for myself, and I must. Okay. Um, I have to right past the top of the hour. Did not make it short, but I guess summary. And uh, I'm going to turn to you, friend. Lead us through the lesson for the day. Uh, thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the first part of the workbook, and we're on the first review. So I'm going to read one paragraph from the introduction. The purpose of your learning is to enable you to bring the quiet with you and to heal distress and turmoil. This is not done by avoiding them and seeking a haven of isolation for yourself. You will yet learn that peace is part of you and requires only that you be there to embrace any situation in which you are. And finally, you will learn that there is no limit to where you are, so that your peace is everywhere as you are. I will go over to the lesson. 
And I'll read some from each one. Lesson 59. Lesson 41. God goes with me wherever I go. How can I be alone when God always goes with me? I am perfect because God goes with me wherever I go. 42. God is my strength. Vision is his gift. Let me not look to my own eyes to see today. Let me be willing to exchange my pitiful illusion of seeing for the vision that is given by God. 43. God is my source. I cannot see apart from him. I can see what God wants me to see. I cannot see anything else. Beyond his will lie only illusions. Yet the vision of Christ has been given me to replace them. It is through this vision that I choose to see. 44. God is the light in which I see. I cannot see in darkness. God is the only light. Therefore, if I am to see, it must be through him. Let me welcome vision and the happy world it will show me. 45. God is the mind with which I think. I have no thoughts I do not share with God. I have no thoughts apart from him because I have no mind apart from his. As part of his mind, my thoughts are his and his thoughts are mine. And we'll take a moment and reflect on these. 41. God goes with me wherever I go. 42. God is my strength. Vision is his gift. 43. God is my source. I cannot see apart from him. 44. God is the light in which I see. 45. God is the mind with which I think. Now take a moment. I have no thoughts I do not share with God. I have no thoughts apart from him because I have no mind apart from his. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm.
This is Charles here. Uh, thank you, friend, for your sharing. And since this is a morning of choices, um, God is, is with me wherever I go. This is what I choose for. God is my strength. This is my choice. Vision is his gift. Always knowing that every soul that enters into this realm is faced with the same choices. And everyone is challenged by the two systems they find themselves choosing from. And a lot of times, God is my strength, vision is his gift, is a choice. Because it's, I see and give witness to the weakness, what a guilt would reflect and project it on others. I see the result of guilt all around me as something that I've made, as something that I would hold within Hello? myself. Hello? That incomplete, thank you. Well, thank, thank you, Charles. Charles. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles. This is Donna, and um, looking at the... um, Looking at the lesson today, I've been working on the word atonement because I had difficulty of understanding um, what what that what that meant. And uh, when Jesus spoke about it, restoration, then that helped clear up for me restoration. So I was thinking about healing and the process of in the human condition as well as our the real process of, of, of our Christ consciousness. So I looked at atonement backwards. I just added God, first there's God, Holy Spirit, and Christ. So I looked at the process backwards. Atonement, restoration, miracle, healing, resolving, and problem. So when we look at it from where we have a problem um, that needs resolving. Uh, so resolving in, involves some kind of action to undo a problem. Hello. Hello? Hello? Uh, this fine. is Donna. Can I be heard? You're fine. Keep going. I hear you. Yeah, oh, okay. I got confused Wonderful. here. Oh, I thought wonderful. I was confused. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so, um, so we're at the problem. We start out with the problem, and it 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 needs resolving. 
So resolving uh, involves some kind of action to undo the problem. So this is where um, the healing, so in the process of undoing the problem, healing unfolds. And probably the miracle comes before the healing, but at some point, that next step, I'm saying at this point, I just got this. So miracle. So we go from healing to miracle. And then the restoration, which is the undoing of the problem. And that's where we enter into at one moment atonement with God. So that cleared up for me looking at starting with the perfect back to the problem and then working with the problem, understanding that process for me has been very enlightening um, because someone we always know has a problem that needs physical healing and if we're looking at it from the divine, then it's a lot easier to understand. Oh, (laughs) in truth, it's not there anyway. And I got one other thing today from paragraph 67. And it's this. We can know the Holy Spirit, but can only believe in the ego because knowing nothing is impossible. I am complete. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thanks, Donna. Thanks, Donna. If I may respond there, Donna, I think, you know, the, the being a problem is being through the eyes of separation. And when you get to healing, yep. you can say the healing, all healing is the release of fear. And this restores the, what the left, the, the access. And so... The restoration and the atonement that the, you know, to per, the proceeding out of the particular to the universal. At some point, all those things are really one, the restoration. The atonement. Yeah. Um, I, I, just, I just want to point that to try to describe them as separate is difficult <laughs> because yeah. it all comes as one at some point where the fear is released. That's Sorry. I'm complete. You go ahead. Sorry. Thank you, Lemoyne, because it's interesting. When this first came to me, because I get these things during the reading, it's not that I'm sitting here trying to make it up, the word separation came to me. And at that point, I thought, I, anyway, it came to me. So thank you for bringing it back in. I am complete. Thank you, Lemoyne. That was beautiful. I think that's what the last paragraph refers to if the underlying cause is removed then 
you know, at some point it goes poof. The the action is undoing. Good morning, it's Karen. Um, The fact that we share this space where things come to us during the readings is so beautiful. Um, I was thinking that we, God goes with me wherever I go, but there's a shift to my perception of God as my core, as my center, and the experience of the Holy Spirit flowing through me, my awareness of that is the choice. Um, The habit energy of the ego mind is is pretty horrific. Uh, Yesterday I went for a walk with a neighbor and um, the ego mind, it was right after the call and the ego mind wanted to go into a judgment. You know, it, it actually, I heard the judgment in my mind. But there was the choice to stay in loving appreciation of the beauty in her or to side with the ego mind and say, you know, she's being dismissive and she's, you know, on a rant or whatever. You know, the choice was right there. Staying in the mind I share with God is my, is my training right now. That's the training. God goes with me wherever I go. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't live. I couldn't even exist if that were not true. But I can see that child part, that ego part, that feels like it's sitting in the cold, all alone, naked, afraid, hungry, with all those needs. There's that part. But it isn't real. It's just an illusion of what I was taught. Um, God is my strength, and vision is his gift. There is a power in me because God goes with me everywhere I go. That is my strength. And in that power, there is vision, and the vision is the truth. It's, it's there. I just haven't really learned how to access it all the time. God is my source. God is my source. That's the choice. Got to keep coming back to it. God is the light in which I see. That real sight, that real sight of to see with the mind of Christ, it's the light. Um, God is the mind with which I think. Now, thanks to the Course and thanks to Jesus and the Christ mind, I'm starting to discern. I'm discerning more, I should say, more and more every second, every moment. You know, if I'm seeing something that isn't seen with love, isn't seen with holiness, the holiness that we talked about yesterday, if I'm seeing without holiness, if I'm perceiving without holiness, then there's guilt and fear somewhere and I'm in an illusion and I need to turn my mind back. Um, I have the ability to actually be in the, in the awareness of the Holy Spirit, in a spiritual awareness of the light. Thanks to the call, making that stronger and the lessons, making that stronger and the practice, making that stronger. The Holy Spirit awareness is with me. It's really with me. And all I have to do is stay there 
And then that'll shine away the fear. It'll shine away the guilt. It'll shine away the illusions. And I can stay in the mind of God. No matter what my body is telling me. You know, sometimes I'm feeling the fear. But even if it's here, it's just being purified. I don't have to give it any power. I don't have to make up an interpretation and a story about it. You know, if it's if something else is going on that I'm aware of, then I just give it over to the Holy Spirit. Thank you for letting me share that. I'm complete. Oh, that was just beautiful, Karen. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Karen. Indeed. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> I just love this. this. The lesson today and uh, the text reading today. Good morning, guys. Lori and Lemoyne, thank you. Um, thank you, everyone, for being here. So we can join in our oneing, one ing, oneing. Um, you know, that God, it says, I love the line in the middle of the reading text. Um, where is it? Only what God creates. It's irreversible and unchangeable, and it said, God created one choice, and so you cannot eradicate it. You made the other, and so you can, which is self-will, you know, personal, selfish, self-centered, um, fearing, fearful, um, full of lack and doubt and insecurity and inadequacy and, and weakness and fearful thought. There's the choice between love and fear, and I like to keep it simple, you know, that's this part of the um, the text where they, they get into all this psychological jargon and analysis of the ego is, you know, it's, it's, it's illuminating. But to me, God is one and God is simple. And, and when I did the lessons this morning, I, I changed the word God to love because God is love. God, God goes with me wherever I go. Love goes with me wherever I go. Love is omnipresent. Um, God is my strength. Love is my strength. Nothing can prevail against it. Um, and vision is love's gift. Vision is, is, is the sight that is coupled with understanding of the heart. It's, it doesn't see through the body's eyes. It sees through the heart with the light of understanding. Vision is love's gift. Love is my source. God is my source. Love created me like itself. Um, God is God is first cause. Talks a little bit about cause and you know the ego being causeless. It's it's an imagination. It's a false false belief that can't cause anything. You know, but we are suffering from the consequences of our belief in it, and that's something that the text highlights today. Um, you know, that it's an illusion, but we're suffering from the effects of believing in this illusion. And, um, you know, I, I can't wait to hear, Lemoyne, you speak so clearly, clearly on that cause and effect, but God is first cause, God is my source, and we are not second to him. We are either extending love, and in the lessons today, it, it, you know, God is, 
goes with me. He's my strength. He's my vision. He's my source from which all comes and is in continual, continual extending itself. And love is the light in which I see, which I, I see truly. Love sees truly like itself. It sees itself. The call to love, for love to be itself. And, um, you know, that love is the mind. I rewrote my notes. God is the mind with which I think. Love is the, the consciousness. I am the conscious awareness of love. That is what I am. I am the conscious awareness of love. It's, I see love in everything. I see love inside myself, as myself, in and as myself, and in and as everything I see. I touch, I smell, I think of. <laughs> so there's no any outie anymore. <laughs> love is all. <laughs> it's everywhere, all the time. Um, you know, no positioning or location or limitedness to a body. A mind in a body in a place is a bunch of hooey. That's the illusion. Love is everywhere. <gasps> I'm so thrilled. I love this book, and I love you for joining in our studying, in our oneness. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Very effective. Thank you, Judy. Good morning, you guys. This is this is Jessica. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> Great minds think alike. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say uh, this is just such an amazing reading today. I'm I'm believing it because. There's a part of me that wants to say, oh, my God, that's impossible. How could that even be true? But I know it's true because he's telling us this. And the part that's so hard to believe is the miraculousness of it. Um, I know we're all miracle workers, but God is the best miracle worker because what it says here is that all of my negative, irrational thoughts are not real. I don't need to worry about them. I don't need to worry about any of the ones I've ever had before, any of the ones I might have in the future, because they will be just dispelled by um, the beautiful mind of God that my thoughts are in. So if I have a thought of of um, anger or attack thought or or guilt or any of that stuff, it just disappears when I let it go, when I accept the atonement, when I accept the, the atonement to me. I mean, there are many ways of speaking about it, forgiveness and all of that, but it's the acceptance that I am in God, my mind is in God, God goes with me wherever I go, and all of those things. But the miracle here is that Everything that I thought was a problem is not because it all is wiped away in the mind of God and it never existed. It's just gone forever. 
It's anything that I thought or said or did in the past is completely <laughs> expunged. You know, you know how you you try to go and get your um, if you've ever been arrested, you you know you try to get them to like expunge your record and stuff. Well, that's what's happening. It's all expunged. Nothing we did or said is is active, is alive, is is viable, is in any way having any effect on anyone, including myself. And I I, I feel like I'm not being very articulate about what I'm trying to say because this section approaches this truth from a number of different directions. Um, and I'm not good at writing down notes and, and then, um, and then anyway, I'm making it more clear than it is than I am right now. <laughs> um, all we have to do at any moment is to choose the Holy Spirit. And if we don't, if we forget, that's okay. It's all going to be just dropped off the end of the earth and gone, gone, gone. <laughs> Thank you. I'm complete. <laughs> Thank you. That was great, Jessica. <laughs> that was just great. Thank you. That was exquisite. Yeah. Your voice is always valued here, always in your sharing. Thank you. Thank you, Jess. Mm -hmm. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jess. Harrison? Thank you. So, in um, reading the lesson this morning, I kind of summed it up for me as who am I? Who am I as God's son? What does that really mean about me? Um, how, how does that affect my uh, thinking about myself, about my relationship uh, to my brothers and sisters, to the world. And uh, Lesson 59 uh, answers a question for me. Who am I as God's son? I've known myself as a product of the ego thought system, separate from God, full of sin, um, unloved, unloving, hateful even, attacking, vengeful, um, just listening 
only to the ego thought system about who I am, accepting the reality of a world outside of me. not taking any responsibility for what I see and how I see. And worst of all, thinking that I'm unworthy of God's love and care and protection. There's an old Negro spiritual. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. That has been kind of a guiding idea. The way the Course describes that is thinking that I'm separate from God, separate as a part from God and his love. And even worse, that I have sinned against God. And that at some point, And sometimes, even during this life, I feel like I'm being punished by God. And that the ultimate punishment is yet to come. So at the heart of my despair is thinking that God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. And even worse, God is going to punish me or is punishing me. But what the Course is telling me is that there is no punishing idea in God's thought system. There is only loving ideas, loving thoughts in God's thought system. And regardless of everything that I have thought or everything that my body has done, it has not changed one bit how God sees me and how God judges me. God judges me one way and one way only. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. 
it is only my thoughts that condemn me. I place my thoughts in the mind of God instead of allowing him to place his thoughts in my mind to accept only his thoughts to think only the thoughts I think with God. And these reviews, God goes with me wherever I go. God is my strength. Vision is a gift. God is my source. I cannot see apart from him. God is the light in which I see. If I could just embrace those ideas and recognize that they constitute the totality of who I am, that I am only as God created me. There are no other judgments that apply. None. I am the Holy Son of God himself. No body can contain my spirit nor impose upon me an idea that God didn't in today's lesson, I think it was 66, the ego cannot oppose the laws of God any more than you can. but it can interpret them according to what it wants, just as you can. Sometimes I think, oh my God, free will. I wish I didn't have it. <laughs> I just wish God would just say, okay, here is the thought system. Here's the Holy Spirit's thought system. And you just stick with that. You have no alternative. But God didn't create me that way. And I'm sure if I thought about this a lot, I understand the reason she didn't. But since I have this ability to choose which teacher I want to listen to, which voice I want to listen to, then I have the responsibility 
to make that choice. The good news is that when I choose to think the thoughts I think with God, when I choose Holy Spirit as my teacher, when I say no to the ego and its thought system, then perfect peace will abide in me. I will know that God goes with me wherever I go. I will know that God is my strength and vision is his gift. I will know that God is my my source and I can't see apart from him. I will see in the light of God. He says the Holy Spirit, like the ego, is a decision. I am always deciding between God and the ego. The ego thought system is relentless. It is constantly feeding me thoughts of separation and is trying to get me to choose its thought system based on what the body is experiencing and seeing. The Holy Spirit, on the other hand, which is God created, one that is constantly reminding me, you are the Holy Son of God. Nobody can contain your spirit or impose upon you limitation God created not. God goes with me wherever I go. I'm complete. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was great. We stand here. We stand here as witness to your choice, Harrison. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much, Harrison. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. Good morning, Mrs. Sandra and Harrison. I just so appreciated you sharing the whole process with us that we all go through. Because <laughs> um, that's why we're here studying together to support each other's awakening. And um, we're all going to get there together. And as you were sharing about, you know, that there is no thought system in God about punishment, I thought, what about me? 
is there a thought system in me about punishment and the need to punish and maybe correct situations, people, you know, plastic companies who set their stuff on fire. And <laughs> it's just, <clears throat> and, you know, it, it, do I see it all as innocent? Do I? Or do I want to punish and correct. And there's still part of me that still wants to punish and correct. Um, but I'm noticing it, and I'm turning it all over to my Holy Spirit, to my higher mind. Because bottom line is, I don't really know what anything is for. And the truth is, that God goes with me wherever I go, and that God is my strength and vision is his gift. The truth is God is my source. I cannot see apart from him if I choose. So this is asking me to really look at at my programming to think that people... Uh, situations need to be corrected and and they need to be punished. (laughs) Um, You know, God is my source. I cannot see apart from him. This This is the truth. This is the truth that I need to completely embody and completely embrace. And, you know, it's, there's a lot of undoing, a lot of undoing that's required for me and I'm sure for all of us here but I'm sure glad that I don't have to undo it alone I'm complete oh that was just great Sandra I felt that unity Mm. amen Mm. amen yeah thank you Sandra Where we're at today gives me hope when the ego thinks they can usurp the power of God and realize that the love that resides in every heart will bring about the choices that will bring this world back together again. God's established his plan in everyone's heart, regardless of their choices. I feel deep within me a strong hope for it to be revealed. Miracles do work. Prayers do answer. Get answered. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles.
don't know if anybody of you knows this called the Song of the Ocean. It was sung by a beautiful soul sister of ours. And she wrote it for the children to sing the song and to sing it into the ocean. To sing the love, the wonderfulness. So if you ever get to do a search, just call the the song of the ocean. It's a beautiful song. She gets everyone to sing. To realize love, God's love, is truly the healing part of this planet. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles. Are you going to share, Lori? Oh, thanks, Karen. Yeah. Oh, what a what a great call this has been, and what a great reading, and what an awesome lesson. Um, I love this section because it reminds me of uh, an earlier section, all the way back in chapter one. He said. Your mind is split between your ego and your soul. And he also said, soul is in a state of grace forever. Man's only reality is his soul. Therefore, you are in a state of grace forever. But if my mind is split between the ego and the soul, I need healing. I need healing. I need an experience of healing and uh, that's why I just love this lesson because it takes my mind and my heart and sets it right before the throne of God and lets him look on me and lets me look on him without a shadow of shame my mind need not be split with my soul you see and it turns out he makes it really clear he says your mind can only serve mind mind can only serve and it always has two choices of whom it serves only two alternatives it's either going to serve my ego or it's going to serve the Holy Spirit which is the essence of this section I love, 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 love paragraph 66 because he makes it really clear that the ego, if my mind chooses to serve the ego, it can only do so in illusion. Makes it really clear that ego cannot, ego cannot overcome God. Ego cannot oppose the loss of God. You may think it can, but it can't. Because the law of love always holds. This is why I need to get my perception straight. The law of love is simply this. What I give my brother is my gift to me. What I give my brother is my gift to me. That is why the question 
what do you want is so important later on he says heaven is the gift you owe each other the debt of gratitude you give to the Son of God for being what he is <laughs> doesn't that just take your mind uh, to soaring places it does mine and if my consciousness can move into that spacious realm of soul and it can and it will when I answer the question what do I want because no one who sees the alternatives clearly will ever say oh yes I want I want to believe in sin and its consequent guilt and fear no one would consciously make that choice that's why it's so important I see clearly what the alternatives are and then my mind can move in a direction toward healing it will naturally he says the Holy Spirit impels the will that's how eternally fixed we are on God the only relationship we ever had or ever want to have he says is that relationship with God the essence of these five lessons today the only thing I ever really want and I will naturally my mind will naturally follow when I've made that choice and that's what he's talking about when he says accept the undoing and Donna you'll recognize this thus are you saved by faith in grace not of yourselves but as the gift of God to his son saved by grace we're saved by grace all he asked me to do is accept that receive and accept receive and accept and when I do my mind will naturally serve the soul will naturally serve the soul and I will experience the effects of my choice when I accept the undoing I will experience the effects of my choice he says take it out and and test drive it find out just take it for a test drive and discover for yourself how great it feels when you overlook some infraction that you think someone has has made it feels wonderful you know he says the healers only responsibility is to accept this grace this correction for the undoing of my errors when I see my errors simply as errors who said I think Jessica the game goes on yeah oops I served out of the line oops the balls back in my court I can always make another choice he says every minute every day every hour every second of every hour you're making a decision about what does your mind want to serve the alternatives are clear and it's absolutely true mind can only serve and I will experience the effects of my choice when my mind is healed no longer split between the ego and the soul I will know I have accepted atonement for myself it is the privilege of the forgiven to forgive he says I need to accept that grace accept that truth that I am as God created me and nothing in heaven or earth will ever change that hmm 
I'm complete. Thank you, Lori. So much. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. This is Lemoyne. I just we haven't gotten to the end of the review yet. Or review one. That's tomorrow, but I wanna say it here that uh when we started this I just hoped and prayed that every everyone well, maybe not everyone, but that the paragraph five, this review one would get emphasized. And every day, everyone read paragraph five, and it's just perfect because it's not this purpose here. The purpose of your learning is to enable you to bring the quiet with you and to heal the stress and turmoil, to learn that peace is part of you and requires only that you be there in peace to embrace every, any situation in which you are. Only that you be there to embrace any situation in which you are. And, yeah, this purpose is not the purpose of Review 1. This is the purpose of the learning. <laughs> and, and so that we can learn... Um, Finally, that our peace is everywhere as we are. And, um, yeah, I just want to thank everybody who's led the lesson, Fran and Donna, anyone else, too, for emphasizing that paragraph five in the review. And, uh, the trace a little bit of it but I see it in in the reading today <clears throat> first I want to thank Lori for her her uh, <laughs> her practice of I don't know right that I think that's a that is a useful first response to understanding that I'm not in uh, that I'm not in any that's put in paragraph sixty eight <clears throat> you know, or sixty seven and eight. The function of God of thought, the function of thought comes from God and is in God. The mind share. As part of his thought, you cannot think apart from it. So any thought it's based on the separation. It's a rational thought, and it's a thought disorder. In 68, God himself orders your thoughts because your thought was created by him. So guilt feeling, feelings of pain and suffering and fear, are always a sign that you do not know this. And so, again, it's that 
the statement that I don't know cancels out this thing that I believe I can think apart from God and want to. And that Lori mentioned emphasize the question, what do you want must be answered. And this begins to affect that purpose, which is to enable us to be at peace. And so the acceptance, you know, and let me go to 59, 60, in heaven, where the atonement is, and where what the acceptance of the atonement brings, the, in heaven there is no guilt because the kingdom is attained through the atonement, which releases you to create. And this recognition of what is truly blessed is we're incapable of giving rise to guilt and must give rise to joy. And this makes it invulnerable to the ego because its peace is unassailable. It is invulnerable to disruption because it is whole. And this is way out <laughs> it can be reached through I don't know and in those troublesome thoughts it's a clear sign that we're thinking alone and trying to figure it out on our own and that's just an invitation in, in the ego thoughts that I don't know is a restorative can make the atonement available so get back our birthright in the kingdom. Anyway, I'm complete. There. Thank you. Oh, that Thank was you, beautiful, Lemoyne. Thank, Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Well, you are all certainly welcome. And, Lori, do you have a specific close to this call? Well, to bookend, to bookend what you just shared, I just love this. He says, seek not your capital self in symbols. There can be no concept that can stand for what you are. Hmm. And you will make many concepts of... The self you think you are as learning goes along and each one will show you the changes in your own relationships as your perception of yourself is changed. But here's the thing, the world can teach no images of you unless you want to learn them. And there will come a time when images have all gone by and you will see you know not what you are. It is to this unsealed and open mind that truth returns, unhindered and unbound. Where concepts of the self have been laid by is truth revealed exactly as it is. And when every concept has been raised to doubt and question and has been recognized as made on no assumptions that would stand the light, then is the truth left free to enter in its sanctuary clean and free of guilt, there is no statement that the world is more afraid to hear than this. 
I do not know the thing I am, and therefore do not know what I am doing, where I am, or how to look upon the world, or on myself. Yet in this learning is salvation born, and what you are will tell you of it, capital itself. What you are will tell you of itself. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. Thank you, Thank you, everyone. Thank Christ, mind. Woohoo! Thanks, everybody. Thank God. <laughs>